Welcome everyone, live from Playbook College in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Playbook Live on Live FM. My name is Stephen and my co-host today are Tree, Riley, Brendan and Asma. Our special guest today is McCood Bonnie from Accenture Cybersecurity. Hi McCood. Yep. Hey everyone, how you guys doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, as now for my first question. Um, is cybersecurity mainly about hacking and cyber crime? Uh, it's definitely that's definitely an aspect of it, and and that's probably the stuff I do day to day. But um, no, cybersecurity is a lot more than that. We talk about things such as, I mean, there's some topics such as like governance, regulatory, and compliance. So the government often makes rules and regulations about how companies and how organize like schools or hospitals or just you know business companies should handle things like data handle things like their people's informa- client information customer information uh how they should be operating safely and securely on the internet all these kinds of things so that's one aspect of cybersecurity and the work we do so it's maintaining making sure that all the people all of our clients all of these companies are staying up to date with what the government's rules and regulations are so that's one aspect hmm. um a second aspect is really just testing defenses and stuff. So that's the sort of stuff a lot of people really hear about and that, you know, they think is really interesting, which is red teaming. And so that's, you know, what we call, that's uh, red teaming is what we call, uh, what we call offensive security. So that's when someone goes and tries to actually hack a company or, or hack a sort of network and just see if there's any existing weaknesses or vulnerabilities there and help clients develop strategy around that. Um, and... The third would be sort of strategy. So that's just security strategy, you know, talking about how to do do uh, do this sort of use offensive security, maintain GRC and, you know, just keep things going. Um, it's just the overall strategy and planning about how do we keep moving forward in our cybersecurity posture, like making sure we're getting more and more mature, making sure that we're building towards it. And sort of I've left the, I've left the best for last, which is the sort of stuff I do, which is instant response. So, uh, and uh, forensics and incident response. So that's the work where when a client, like I said, actually eventually does, or, you know, unfortunately does get hacked. Um, we're the people that are on, we're, we're the people that are on call that are coming to respond to that emergency. We're helping them recover from, from that incident. We're doing the, we're doing the forensics, we're doing the investigation, trying to build that story about, Hey, how did this happen? And we're also uh, helping them recover from that. So making sure that we get the, hackers you know out of the system making sure that they're resetting all their passwords all that stuff so um security is a pretty broad broad range and then there's obviously cyber threat intelligence i miss cyber threat intelligence but the cyber threat intelligence which is you know your they're people who create personas on the dark web so we call that cyber espionage um they create personas and they act on the dark web to collect information about what um threat actors are doing Sort of, uh, you know, if there's any new vulnerabilities around, are they creating new code, any new, you know, are they planning to attack someplace? And so we collect that kind of information. um, And we also do stuff like OSINT, which is called open source intelligence, which I think anyone can do. Um, But that's when, you know, you're looking at sites or you're looking at social media because oftentimes uh, when you're first starting out, you love to just be on social media and, you know, like mm-hmm. brag about all the things you've just done. And, and, and that's when we're there watching you guys and looking out for anyone who might be bragging about, a a, a crime or, or, a, a vulnerability that they've managed to exploit. And so that's sort of open source. So the stuff, sort of stuff you see in the news. So that's also open source uh, intelligence. So yeah, those are sort of the broad 
broader areas of, of security, at least what we do at Accenture. Uh, what do you do on a daily basis? What does your job involve? Yeah, so um, like I said before, I work in uh, forensics and, inst- uh, and uh, instant response. So that there's two sides to that. So there's what we call the reactive and the proactive. Um, so the reactive is sort of the more traditional side of the job, which is where we are working on incidents. So a client will get hacked and they'll come to us and they'll be like, hey, you know, this and so-and-so has happened, you know, or maybe we've clicked a phishing email. Uh, maybe they've been hit by ransomware. Uh, you know, maybe it's, they've left they've left some like AWS instance open and now they've got crypto miners on there. You know, these are all real incidents that have happened and that I've had to deal with. Um, and so those are the sort of things that we deal with. Um, and then in incident response that, and what we call forensics and incident response and the reactionary side, what we do there is then go in, we look at their logs, we look at their data and we sort of build the story of how that happened. You know, um, did they leave a port open? Did someone, you know, post their password online? Was it got credentials? Did the credentials get compromised? Did someone, you know, like sometimes it's 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 something you can't even avoid, right? It's just going to happen. Someone might have clicked an email, clicked a link on an email that they shouldn't have, and and that's given someone, you know, the attacker an initial foothold, um, or you know, they've left some unsecured network or improper configuration. So that all sort of stuffs can happen there. Um, so that's the reactionary side. So we follow something called the NIST framework there, but um. The second side of that is the proactive services. So that's, you know, when the client isn't being compromised, we look at things of how to just sort of stay on top of it and make sure that, you know, there's no attackers that are in the in the environment and they just haven't realized it. And we also t- uh, help them prepare for when they are compromised so then they know what to do. So, um, you know, helping them prepare would be like, you know, doing tabletops, which is like role-playing scenarios. Like, hey, we found X, you know, using our experience, we'll build like these elaborate scenarios. Like, hey, we found this, this, and this in your environment. What are you going to do next? You know, uh, if you ever read those books, that's like turn to page 84 if you want to do this. And then they turn, yeah, something like that. Um, and then we also do stuff like threat hunting, which is not re- not to be confused with red teaming. So threat hunting is what we call a blue team exercise. Ooh. So we go and look at their system as it is right now. And we try and identify if attackers are doing anything. We ourselves aren't trying to attack. Rather, we're just trying to catch people out. Uh-huh. So, you know, the we that my day-to-day job is a mix of those proactive and reactive things. So if if there's not a lot of incidents happening or usually there's always something happening, but, you know, we do a good portion of our day is proactive helping clients just sort of stay up to date and stay on top of their, of their security landscape. And uh, the second half of that is uh, reactive where, you know, unfortunately people get hacked, clients get hacked and we're there helping them out. Uh, how do you get a job in cybersecurity and uh, and are there many jobs around? So I'll answer the second question first. There's there's tons of jobs around. Um, especially in Australia, cybersecurity is a really growing industry and we actually just don't have enough people in cybersecurity to do, do the work. Um, as to how to get into cybersecurity, I think there's, there's tons of avenues. Um, I can just talk about some of the ways uh, Accenture hires because that's the stuff I know best, but I can talk more generally after that. Uh, so we 
there's you can you can go into TAFE and so there's like you can do certificates in cybersecurity in TAFE, and so we had some we had some uh, trainees out in Adelaide who were doing who still studying in TAFE and we've been they've been working at Accenture you know they they get paid for their time there, and they work I think part time and then in the other half of their time they're studying and and completing their TAFE TAFE courses. Um, a second way to get into security is obviously the more traditional path which is uni, um, and go you know study something related to I actually it doesn't really matter what you study at uni um, we at least at Accenture we take we take everyone anyone who's got a passion to learn about cybersecurity as long as you're there and you're interested I think it doesn't matter what you study but if you depending on what you do if you want to be a bit more hands-on and technical then it probably helps to have a background in programming and have a or, or do do some sort of cybersecurity related degree um, but finally and I think uh, one that doesn't get talked about enough, and really, this is kind of where cybersecurity started all, all started from, is just uh, if you if you actually have hands-on experience doing cybersecurity work, you know, we cybersecurity is one of those fields where anyone can get into it. You don't need a degree. You don't need to go to school for it. Um, you know, if you're if you're out there actively researching companies, finding vulnerabilities, you know, or you're participating in like you're participating in events or like bug bounties, you you know you're hitting up conferences and stuff i think if you're building and showing that you're passionate about cybersecurity, you have the experience you've got the skills you know that's that's definitely a way to get in um get get into it uh i i imagine that that way you know is is probably also just the best way to start if you still want to go to uni and you still want to study I think it's always good. That's that sort of stuff is always just good to do on the side. You know, it's always good to just keep working and building those skills, um, because yeah, the more you know, the the better the better your chance you have of getting getting a getting a job and getting the one you want. Yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Um, what do you like? What do you like the most about working for Accenture? For Accenture, um. So I think the thing I enjoy the most is I, I get to work with my friends uh, and I get to do the stuff that really interests me. Um, so that's always been really enjoyable for me. I, I get to, we just came back from, from a cybersecurity conference called CyberCon. And so that's like a three-day conference where, you know, students, professionals, they all sort of mingle and they run talks um, and they talk about their experiences or they talk about their learnings. And it's really fun for me because it was like three days where I just hung out with my friends and we just went and listened to talks and, you know, there's always clients uh, doing free stuff. So giving away like their free socks and stuff very much. So it's really fun and you get to meet new people and talk to everyone. Um, and you get to do that stuff with Accenture, which is really cool. They send you out there and they give you the opportunity to talk and learn and and um, and also like just reach out and build your network. But uh, the other thing I like about Accenture is uh, – the lifestyle there is very, it's very balanced. There, there's a lot of emphasis on do your work, but don't let your work become your life. Um, so it's a, it's all about a flexible lifestyle. It lets me, you know, come here and talk to you, to you all, and and then go and go back and do work, and no one's gonna be like, oh, you didn't get X Y Z done. They know that I'm here. They know that I'm doing the things that I enjoy and the things I want to do. Um, you know, after work I'll go play some badminton, and it's it's just part of the job. You know, it's really fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed that work life balance. Cool. So what are your biggest challenges you face at work? Um, are you dealing with money extortion? Yeah. Um, the 
the biggest challenge I face at work, honestly, a lot of the times is just dealing with stuff like imposter syndrome. Um, you know, in the work you do, you're helping people when they're sort of in a crisis and it's, and sometimes you don't know, sometimes you're human, you don't know things. And I think the toughest thing I deal with at work is just like being like, am I good enough to, to be there helping these people? Am I good enough to be doing, you know, be, be, uh, giving them advice, um, and you know you manage that you really just have to manage that by working with your team and just being open and honest be like look i, I don't know if i know this i don't know if i if i should be giving advice on this and they all, or if I, am i telling them the right thing am i doing the right thing and you know when you talk to your team it's they're always there they've always been really supportive and been like hey yeah of course do this try this out um you know they'll, they'll always point me in the right direction so that really helps um and dealing with money extortion that's a yeah yeah we do deal with what we um in in a we call that ransoms money extortions uh so there's there's a whole style of attack we call called ransomware where um an attacker will enter the system and just encrypt all your files and then to you know get the the key to de-encrypt it they'll ask for they'll ask you for money they'll ask you for a ransom so that's usually done in the form of a ransom note that's dropped somewhere um, another way they ask for money is so what we call a double extortion. So if we don't pay the ransom, we're like, whatever, you know, it's fine. We've got a backup. We don't need you to de-encrypt, you know, all this. So what happens next is we, they'll be like, oh, we actually stole some of your data as well. And we'll post it all over the web unless you pay us money. Um, so then there's like that double extortion. And so that's sort of becoming a really prevalent topic these days. Um, and though it's not really money extortion per se, but another really big area that's growing is inside a threat. So um, I guess it's the other way around, but but a threat act is actually now offering to pay money to employees to sell out their credentials and sell out their things like that. So um, so that they can, you know, or, or tell the employee, hey, if you drop this malware, we'll give you a cut of, of the money we, we, we get. So that's really cool. I, I, I find that that's sort, of, that's sort of the style of money extortion you see with the financially motivated crimes. If you uh, just turned in, you're listening to Paperbook Live on Live FM, live from Paper College in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Stephen, and my co-host today are Tree, Wiley, Brendan, and Asma. And our special guest today is McCoon Bonnie from Accenture Cybersecurity. So... So we could, shall we continue? Uh, how do you, how do the cyber criminals operate? Is your cybersecurity team one step ahead of them? Cyber criminals have many different motivations. So we we have what we call financially motivated. Um, so that's people, criminal cyber cyber threat actors who are after money. Uh, we have uh, hacktivists. So that's sort of people groups like anonymous where they're not after money but they're trying to send a message or prove a point uh just to support their cause and then the third is what we call state-sponsored attackers so these are these are these are threat threat actors or threat groups that are sponsored by um by their state or they act in service of their state so you know you see a lot of that with what's happening in russia and ukraine right now or um you know, there's a lot of uh, Chinese state-sponsored actors, Russian uh, and North Korean. Those are probably and uh, Iranian. Well, yeah, I want to say Iranian. It could be 
could be wrong there. Don't quote me on that one. Um, so these these ones are sort of sponsored by the state. So in terms of uh, staying staying one step ahead of them. Sorry, did I answer the first question? What was the first? Uh, how does something criminals operate? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, so yeah, with, with the motivation. So depending on your depending on their motivations and what they're trying to achieve, they operate differently. So financial financially motivated actors, uh, they tend to want to get in their lockup as they want to cause as much disruption and inconvenience as possible, but they don't want to like de-incentivize you from paying the ransom, right? They don't want to like just absolutely go and then just delete everything because then there's no reason for you to pay. They want to, they want to actually get stuck. They want to go in, they want to steal information. They want to lock things up, but they want to give you, you know, the opportunity to get it back so that you're motivated to pay them. Um, so that's how they tend to operate. They come in and they also tend to use, um, the sort of same techniques, same methods. They, they don't really care if they're discovered. Um, if anything, a part of what they want is to be discovered. They want you to find them. They want you to know that they've been there, that they've taken things, that they've, you know, locked things up because then that gives validity to their, to their threats and to their claims. So to that effect, they, they tend to use what we call ransomware as a service. So, you know, there's there are these tools that exist online that you can buy for like, uh, a certain cost and then they go and they use those tools so you'll see a lot of threat actors using the same tools or you'll see them hitting a lot of companies at once because they're trying to get money um, and they're trying to you know trying to profit themselves with um what we call with with hacktivists you know they're they're sort of that they sort of do what they want to do, generate noise and get people listening to them so they do that in many different ways. You know, that could be a data breach where they extract information and then they just dump it across the web or um, they might just go and then be destructive. So they, they're, or, you know, they'll, they'll DDoS like a website of a, of a company that they don't agree with. You know, their, their aim is to actually cause as much disruption and cause as much problems for their targeted company as possible. Um, and so that's sort of maybe how a hacktivist, a hacktivist group would operate. Uh, and then the state sponsored ad hackers where, again, they, they operate in, depending on, on their tasks, but oftentimes they don't want to be discovered. They do a lot of cyber espionage. That's probably, so they don't, they want to stay lurking in the system for as long as possible, drop their tools, listen in on as much as they can, collect as much information as they can and send that back. So they're not really motivated by money. They're not trying to collect it a lot of money um and another one you might see that are also considered state-sponsored hackers which is probably happening more commonly today with with the russia ukraine conflict is what we call destructive attacks so their goal is to again cause similar to hacktivists cause as much destruction as possible without really any uh consent for like money or you know but they do it in the name of the of the, of the country that they're you know in that country's interest so you had, you know, like you, this is a, a while ago, but there was a wiper called the Hermetic Wiper, which was what we call a, a file. It was a file wiper. So it's a worm that would go through systems and it would just completely destroy and corrupt files as it went, making them irrecoverable. Like they achieve nothing but to cause disruption um, with those sort of attacks. Or, you know, um, probably more recently, there was a country, uh, Japan, that came out in support of Ukraine in this conflict. So there was another group, there was a Russian threat actor group called Killnet. And so then what they did was uh, they started uh, DDoSing, oh, sorry, 
Does anybody know what DDoSing is? Uh, no, I don't so, think we do. It's when okay. you kick someone off like the server or the internet. Yeah, so a DDoS is a DDoS is what we call a distributed denial of service uh, attack, and so what that is is they basically get tons and tons of computers from all across the world and or servers to just start sending sending requests to a singular website or to a singular point. And so what that what happens is that because that one website has to process all those requests, at a certain point it can't handle the sheer number of requests that it's getting, and then it will crash or it'll go down. And so, you know, DDoSs are really low-level attacks in the sense that like it doesn't take a lot to do. They're just expensive because it's just brute force. But they're extremely effective because they're hard to, you can't detect, you can't detect them. And um, the only way to really prepare for them is to just have um, a good a good content delivery network, uh, content delivery network, and service providers who can actually help you deal with like the sheer f- flood of requests. But um, so the, the the key thing to remember from that is that DDoS attacks will take down websites. They'll they'll lock lock them up because they just can't process all the information that they, that's coming their way. So. Yeah, think of it like a hundred people talking to you at once. You know, like you can't you can't physically absorb all that information, and so at some point you're like, okay, stop. I can't I can't listen to you all at once. Um, but yeah, DDoS attacks that you know they targeted Japan, took down critical infrastructure. So that's all the different ways that threat actors work, um, and their different motivations. Um, and is and is are we one step ahead of them? Uh, oftentimes, no, we're not. Um, where we might be in step with them, but this is one of those very reactionary industries, right? Threat actors are always innovating. They're always going to be doing new things. Um, we try to stay one step ahead of them in, in providing proper security and proper, you know, like proper defenses. So we're one step ahead of a lot of them and all the things that have happened before, but because it's, it's an industry where we're reacting to threat actors, oftentimes you just have to wait. Like you just have to see if they think of something new, we just got to react to it. If they find a new vulnerability, then we're reacting to it. You know, in that sense, uh, we try to stay one step ahead, but, but you know, if, if we were one step ahead all the time, there would be no attacks and uh, that doesn't really happen. So, yeah. Um, what do you think of VPNs? VPNs are great. Uh, it depends what you want to do with the VPN. They're, they're just a good way to, you know, uh, yeah, VPNs are great. I I, often, I feel like you can use them for, for a lot of things, especially when you want to access content in a place that isn't available to you right now. But um, yeah, we use them in security, but they're, they're just a good tool to have for anyone. You know, it's just like anything else. It's just a tool. Um, they're not, they don't provide a lot of, they don't provide any inherent security in themselves. Their, their main goal is to, uh, we say obfuscate, but you know it's meant to make your IP harder to find, and just give you that added level of uh, what we call anonymity, so that people don't know who you are, where you're coming from. But it's it it doesn't necessarily stop attacks. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for, to our guest, Makun. It's been a great pleasure talking to you today. 
uh, live from Paper College in Melbourne, Australia. You've been listening to Paper Live on Live FM. My name is Stephen, and my co-hosts today were Trey, Riley, Brendan, and Asma. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you, you found have found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. Yeah.